This episode is brought to you by Subaru. Ever wonder what it's like to own a Subaru? You can meet real Subaru owners. Find out at meetandowner.com. On meetandowner.com, owners of Subarus create personalized profiles. You can make video, photo, text posts, communicate one-on-one with users, share firsthand looks at what owning a Subaru is really like. So check out meetandowner.com. Talk to real owners. See how a Subaru can fit your life at meetandowner.com. And very cool thing. Stay tuned at the end of today's show. Subaru has sponsored a, a very, very cool thing that I'm, I'm proud of. Mini episodes of Beautiful Anonymous. It's, it's, it's branded content, but it's actually cool. They let us do it our way our thing Subaru is awesome for doing it uh, so stay tuned at the end of the episode and remember meetandowner.com today's episode of beautiful stories from anonymous people sponsored by MailChimp a service I have used for many years in my own personal work well before this podcast ever existed I can vouch for them when you're trying to tell your story to the world MailChimp can help for free gorgeous pre-designed email templates you can also code your own it is not hard I can pull it off if I can do it you can do it They'll show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email or click delete, help you find your people, grow your business. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively, find people who care about it. I've used it for a long time. I swear by it. I send out MailChimps on a regular basis. More at MailChimp.com. Hello to all my chest-kicking ladies out there in the world. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. It's your friend Chris Gethard here. Very, very happy to bring you another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. And remember, if you want to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. You can always leave a review on iTunes. I haven't pushed for those in a while. Those help a lot. And also now we got the Sorry Sally t-shirt. We got an enamel pin designed by my friend Diana Kolsky. A couple things you can go out there and buy. Show your love for the show. Maybe you'll be, a, you'll be shopping at the grocery store. See somebody else with that pin and say, hey, I also believe in uh, hearing, hearing people ramble into a phone for an hour. I also am into that. Um, so check that out. Enjoy it. Last week's episode was the Trailblazer episode. We heard from a guy who climbs mountains ponders the effects of his overzealous drug use in his past. have to say, I didn't anticipate that that would be by far the most divisive episode to ever, ever hit the, uh, in the internet. The Facebook group exploded with opinions. I got an email from Sally, my mom, about that episode. It really brought out emotions to people. I did not see that coming. I uh, um, really split into three camps. There were a lot of people who right out of the gate said, this is my favorite episode. This is like this weird character that you, these, uh, he feels like one of these uniquely American characters that wanders out of the wilderness. And what a story. People saying it was their favorite. Other people who said the fact that he was hiking actively and pausing between his words was, made it very difficult to listen to the episode. Some people with technical uh, issues with that, understandable. And then some people who said, you know what, this is a person who's really romanticizing drug use and uh, sounds like has has lived off of a lot of other People in his life, especially women he was romantically linked with, and I'm not sure if morally I can get down with all that. I will say all of those opinions are totally valid. This Facebook group is my favorite thing. I'll talk more about that in a second. My favorite comment in the Facebook group was from an old friend of mine, actually, Andy Partridge, a guy who I have known since I was 14 years old. He said, I love Chris with all my heart, but when he praised the guy for correcting his grammar, I almost puked. He corrected himself incorrectly. This is what I take away from podcasts. 
I finally joined the group to say this. I'm a grammar enthusiast. I should note, I met Andy Partridge when I was 13, 14 years old when I started going to punk shows all over New Jersey. If any, if you had told either of us that someday our relationship would come down to a couple punk rockers getting mad about each other's grammar on the internet. Man, what a sad state of affairs. But good to hear from you, my old friend, Dan and Andy. Um, this week's episode, very fascinating, has some divisive elements. And I just really want to encourage everybody out there. I, I think this Facebook group, the, the beautiful anonymous, the community, search for it, join. Everybody gets in. The mods are great. Thank you to all of them. Sam, I want to give Sam J a personal shout out this week. I love, He's doing great stuff, um, helping me out so much. But it, it's, it's very cool because you get to talk to other fans of the show and uh, – debate how the episodes went, what you liked, what you didn't like. That's really cool. Um, Also, people bring up other podcasts they like, other things tangentially related to the show, philosophical discussions. Very cool. I think it's a cool thing, and I hope everybody listening joins it. Um, Sometimes people do get a little testy with each other, and and I tend to have to step in sometimes and say, hey, please say whatever you want, except let's not fight with each other. Respect always. This week's episode could bring that out, um, one section of it. Just want to say, please don't fight. Oh, don't fight on the internet about stuff. Um, It's not worth any of our time. Anyway, this week's episode, I really loved it. This woman, as you will hear, helps helps mothers, helps families uh, grow. She helps facilitate the beginnings of lives. It's it's a very cool thing, a very eye-opening thing, conversation I was very interested in personally. And also I think she has such a fantastic personality that it was it was really cool to talk to her. There's one stretch. The, the stretch I just want to caution people, don't to please, 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 please don't go to there, there's a, a stretch that comes up with something that for for many decades has been a very divisive issue um, in American culture and politics. And she opens up about it. I'm sure a lot of people will have opinions on it. Let's discuss those opinions respectfully in that Facebook group. Um, and most of all, let's enjoy this caller because she's super cool, has lived a cool life, and does a lot of cool things with her time. One of my favorite things about this show, these, there's people who live very like specific lives, occupations, and they're on the periphery. You only come into contact with them once in a blue moon. And to hear from someone who's in one of those positions so in-depth was such a treat for me, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Let's get to the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. Oh, I love your voice. Oh, thanks so much. I hate it with a passion. I hate my voice. Oh, no, man. Don't hate it. It's great. I'm so glad to hear it. That's nice. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good. Waking up. Drinking some caffeine. Oh, good. (laughs) I generally I've been up since about five thirty. Really, really. <laughs> yeah. Why do you get up so early? Yeah, I'm an early riser. I like to get to my to my office early and hang out, <laughs> wow. get organized, get prepared for the day. Boss must love you. That type of thing. Oh no, I'm the only one in the building. They don't. It's me and the cleaning guy. They usually don't know. That's okay though. That's mm. right. Mm. Let's me sort of. You know, greet the rest of my day with the right frame of mind, right? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. Very positive person. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, it, you know, usually by three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not feeling quite this positive, and I'm pretty sure the world's going to end. But right now, I've got it going. <laughs> I went out and took a walk and, you know, had water, ate a whole bar of chocolate already today. So, mm-hmm. 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 Um, so. 
that, you know, that keeps those endorphins going. And the weather's finally nice, at least where I am it is. Yeah. Sounds like we might be in a similar area of the country. Weather's starting to yeah. get real nice that, around here. Yeah. Crocuses are coming up and snow drops. And those, that's always, I'm a, I'm a big fan of those as sort of, um, is that sort of regeneration and that bil- ability to sort of <laughs> make it through those last three days and those last few days of winter. I don't when know I, um, what a crocus is. That's a word I've heard. I, I wouldn't know a crocus if I if one hit me in the face. I wouldn't even know if it's a thing that can I hit bet you in would. the face. I bet you'd see them. I bet you'd see them and you'd be like, oh, that's what you guys are talking And I bet, I bet your parents know what they are. They're, they're either purple, yellow, or white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when my daughter was first born, she was an April baby. She's almost 22 now. And I was walking through a park and this old person stopped and said, your baby's so beautiful. And I said, oh, thank you. And she was all snuggled in really close. And she, then she went on to say, she's born at the luckiest time of year because everyone's smiling right now. So her view on the world is that everyone smiles and the crocuses were there. So that's what they always remind me of. It's like a Norman Rockwell they don't painting. Last very long. That story's like, a, that yeah. <laughs> fills the heart with warm, fuzzy feelings. Yeah. I just always remember that. It made me, it, you know, this little wizzled hand on my arm telling me this thing was, was pretty cool. I, I always share it with my daughter. I try and remind her when she's feeling, you know, Got the agita or anxious, and she's worried yeah. about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's nice. I say, and just, yeah. And I it, try and plant a bunch every year. And it, is your daughter like, Mom, I'm tired of that story? <laughs> is, your, is your daughter like, Yeah, basically, <laughs> sure. That's fair. She sort of looks at me like, Well, that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. You can take mm-hmm. your crocuses and shove them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you that I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, and you're launching into the <laughs> but, crocus Hallmark card story again. I know. Well, the children are relatively tolerant of me. At least the older two are. That's so nice. They they cut me a little bit of slack. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so I was gonna tell you a story about circles. If that's a, that sounds interesting to you about circles. Yeah. Okay. Or how I think you know about how stuff. So when I was um a starving artist and you know, living off of barely off of $200 a week. Um, And, you know, my goal was to be a famous painter. And it was a very, not self-centered, but, you know, a very introverted view of the world, like very, um, I don't know, self-focused, looking inward instead of looking outward. And I enjoyed painting. Um, I clearly wasn't going to earn a living. But anyway, I found myself, I was, I ended up getting pregnant, totally, you know, no health insurance, you know, no money, no business, but I was 25 years old and I had really started thinking that I really wanted to have a baby. And I was thinking, I'm living this way in a city where this is never going to happen for me. And that seems so unfair. And so I was riding home on the subway trying not to cry. And I looked up and, you know, you saw, I saw like a PSA on the subway and it was, it wasn't like a, it was like a New York state PSA, not like a weird religious one. Like don't know what to do. It was more like 
you know, call this number and we can help. So I, I went home and called and it was basically, it was like the state insurance number. Um, and I have, I have this blue notebook. I took all the notes from the lady, um, who was talking to me, who, you know, let me cry and say, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I don't, you know, I don't think I can have an abortion. And, you know, I feel like, just how is this going to happen? And so she, and I had never thought about health insurance or anything like that. So I was like, she was like, well, first of all, you know, you can get health insurance, you can get health insurance for the baby. And then, you know, you have this choice, you could go to this place and they have midwives and it's about $3,000 for a birth, or you could go to this hospital and you could have physicians and it's about $11,000 for the birth. And I was, you know, like secretly throwing up in, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be sick. Like, what, how, like, what am I going to do? Um, and then she had to, you know, remind me what health insurance meant. And she was like, no, that's not your out of pocket. That's like, we're going to help you with that. You know, you're going to fill out a form. Um, and basically, I ended up meeting midwives who, you know, who, who changed my entire worldview, like, almost turned me inside out, you know, like all of a sudden, all the energy where I'd been looking inward, you know, I looked outward onto the world, um, which I think probably many people experience when they have a baby. Um, But just the whole process of working with these women who really believed in me and were so matter of fact about it, like there was not, it just became this, of course, this is the thing you're going to do. And um, I went, I, you know, drove from a borough and drove over a bridge and labor and was thinking, you know, this is fucking nuts. Somebody needs to take me to the hospital. You sorry, are Sally. horrible. And I'm like vomiting. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Sally. Um, you know, I'm vomiting into this like salad bowl and <laughs> looking at the people who are with me. And I'm like, you guys are horrible. No one's helping me. Um, and I got to the midwives and you know, practically walked across a busy city street in like t-shirt and Chuck Taylors and a red bathrobe, like totally out of my mind and body, like, oh man, what is going on? And then about seven hours later, I had a daughter and all these women around me just never, never let me believe that anything else was going to happen. And I looked at this person and I was like, oh my God, like I did this, like I, I did this intense physical thing and it took me 21 years, but those are the women. You know, I always tell my kids, like my daughter, I always say, you made me who I am. And my one son, I, you know, he helped me get to the next stage and my third son helped me get there even more. And so it was just this really intense experience. And, you know, seven after I had the baby, then seven hours later, then they're like, you guys can go home. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? <Wow>. You, <laughs> you want me to put like, it, she weighs seven pounds. I think I should stay here with you. And they're like, no. <laughs> so, you know, drove back to that borough, hit those potholes where I was like, oh, oh man, we're going to like drop in, you know, into one of Dante's levels and her little head is bouncing around. <laughs> And, and she's made it this far and she's a fabulous person. Um, but it just really changed the way I wanted to interact with the world. Like it, it moved me to a, 
to the role of of wanting to to serve people, to meet women and families in that spot where they feel like they're least able to do it and be there to guide them through so they know that they can. That's cool. I've been going to births for 20 years. Yeah, it's really, it's... So you help with births. It never fails to sort of... Yeah, yeah, I'm a midwife. I have some... Oh, wow. So Okay. Um, So first of all, I want to say at one point, if we could just flag this... Jared, the uh, you did use the sentence, those midwives really turned me inside out. I just want you to know, yeah. I'm gonna, I want to grab that sentence and just put that in the teaser for the show, because that sounds like it's way more horrible than what the story actually was. Right. The sentence, <laughs> okay. those midwives yeah. turned me inside out. Uh, that's going to, the sensationalism of that. I can't. So the circle, you said it was right. a story about circles. I would imagine this is the full circle moment in your life where you become a midwife after this experience that surprised you. Is that the way it was yeah, a story about exactly. circles? Okay. Yeah. 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 It was very exactly. metaphorical. Um, I, I wasn't expecting a story about like a Ferris wheel or anything, but I just wanted to make sure right. I was perceiving <laughs> the circle aspect correctly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many absolutely. can I ask how many kids do you have? Three. Three. So one one daughter and two sons. Mm-hmm. Two are in college. Well, one's graduating from college and, and then the the littlest one who's not little is um graduating from high school. Yeah. That's cool. And you said for 20 now yeah. for 20 years yeah. you've been assisting with other people's births? Yep. I I have assisted in hospitals and and um, at home, and then I practice in an out of hospital birth setting now. I I, um, I attend home births, um, but yeah, I've been with lots of women and families um, over the years, and, and and you know everything from totally unmedicated to fully medicated, and it, it's been really fun. It's such it's wow. such a privilege to be with families at that time and. I just, I never, I never, I try never to forget that, um, you know, and, you know, we all bring crazy stuff to our jobs. We've had a bad day or something like that. And I just always, always remember like, you know, you need to step back and, and take a breath, leave the room or something, but you got to come back here with your head in it for these people. Cause it doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, they don't care. No, you know, that you're that what went wrong before you got here. You like need to be here in this moment. Now, I've never witnessed a birth. I want to say one of my good friends in this world, a guy who I grew up with, I'm still super tight with my buddy, Mike D. He has a lovely daughter. He told me a story. Mm-hmm. He told me a story that when when his daughter was born, was at a hospital and then everybody, yep. was, everybody was transferred to a different room after the actual delivery took place but that a bag was left behind and that he was, someone said to him, maybe just run back at that bag. I think it was maybe a bag of their personal belongings. Someone said, okay, can you just run back and grab that? Cause so much is going on. And he said that walking back into the room where the birth happened before it had been um, tended to, he said it was one of the most disturbing (laughs) images to see the (laughs) the aftermath of his daughter's birth. He said it looked like a murder scene. Is that... I wasn't sure it how much. It does a little bit. Yeah. It does? It's, so it's as bad as Mike D said. Well, I, I, murder's a little excessive, but it's pretty, like, yeah, I think if you could. He said he would never he forget. If you took a quick picture and moved all the. 
Yeah. Well, there's like fluid and schmutz everywhere, schmutz. and it's, Ooh, it's, it's one of the. I, I hate so, that you use the word schmutz. Um. Well, there's just all sorts of stuff. And there. I, I know and this is beautiful like, and natural, and I'm not trying to make fun, but I, I am someone who hasn't been through it, so I am going to react like a 13-year-old boy for a lot yeah, of this conversation. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's really fine. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's people that are acting that way in the moment. Oh my God! You know, yeah. <laughs> where you're, you look up and you're like, "Oh, this person needs to both blink and breathe, or they're going to end up at the side of the bed." You know. Um, so and you're talking there, a lot you, about the fathers. You, know, you cut out fathers, caregivers, yeah, yeah, yeah. grandmothers, who, whoever. I once had a grandmother say, "Oh, I think I'm going to faint." She took the the oxygen off the um, patient and put it on herself. <laughs> she took, she took like, the, uh, stole it from the person in labor. I said, I'm going to need to take that back. Yeah. Wow. I look over, I'm like, huh, you are not supposed to have that. Making it all about you, <laughs> I Grandma. I feel good. I was, like, I, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, it's messy. It's definitely messy. But you know what? That's one of the fun things is getting it all cleaned up and it looks like it's never happened. Yeah. You know, and you make a fresh bed and put like this like egg crate thing on top and you put fresh sheets on and a fresh blanket and you get the dad or the the partner something and you get them all tucked in and it's, oh, it's great. Fresh clothes on like these fancy hospital undies that we give ladies. And now I want to ask a really fun part. I want to ask about what when you say a totally natural drug free birth. I would imagine some people are more equipped to handle it. And that's the thing you only find out in the moment, right? Like you find out how equipped you are to do that when it's really going down. Right. What's uh I think so, yeah, lots of education. I want the I want a story though. Yeah. Like what's the uh what was the 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 natural the drug free birth where you most realized this is a person who maybe would have benefited from some of the painkillers or some of the drugs. What what's the are there any other you got any other stories akin to the grandma stealing the oxygen mask? What are the other stories that stand out over your 20 years of midwifery? Well, um, typically there's always a point in labor where um, women will look at you and they'll be like, you're not helping me. You should stop saying that. And I'm leaving here right now. They try to and bounce. I say to women, oh, <laughs> I say, you know what? That's, if that's typically when the baby's going to be born really close to when the baby's going to be born. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, transition, which is a time where I always sort of secretly inside, I'm like, oh, good, she wants to leave. That means the baby's going to be here really soon. Um, so I, I can't think of an instance. I can think of more instances where women have gotten medication too early mm-hmm. and they probably could have done it without it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the medication gets in the way of, of what they want to experience. Right. Um, I've had some great medicated births, though, too, where, you know, the women are are really pleased. And, and the, the point is, is it's about, you know, what works for me or works for somebody else is not, you know, doesn't matter to that woman. Right. Like she gets to pick in that moment. If she's told yeah. me ahead of time, I really want to avoid medication. Then we do lots of things. We have so many things in our bag of tricks. I mean, short of hanging from the ceiling, we can do lots of stuff. Just to distract and make it pleasant. You know? and 
Have you ever seen like yeah, a? Yeah, there's showers, there's tubs, there's oh. all, there's all, there's music, Ooh. and you know. Yeah, that sounds yeah. nice. You've never seen, you've Walking. never seen a. You've, have you ever seen a, a lady in labor, just haul off and punch your partner? You never seen anything like that. Never see anybody get punched in the face. We were all thinking it, right? That's one of the first questions we were all wondering. We'll get the answer right after we hear from our sponsors here at Beautiful Anonymous. I'm telling you, I've been out of town a lot lately, guys. I've been traveling, was doing shows in London, went on vacation, had some renovations, couldn't stay in my house for a while. You know what my number one complaint is? I'm not sleeping on my Casper. My wife and I were both saying, we got to get back to our house because the Casper's better than, than all these mattresses that we're, we're dealing with. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up, refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. But guess what? I sleep on one of these things. You are going to love it. In, in the Facebook group, in the Beautiful Anonymous Facebook group, there are threads, a lot of people going, is Casper really as good as you say? And then you will see dozens of people go, it's actually awesome. I got one. It's rad. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Over 20,000 reviews, an average of 4.8 stars. This is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. I am telling you, I sleep on one. My wife and I, my wife has had a lot of back problems over the years. Casper, she says, is a great, great mattress for that as well. I, I really do genuinely love my mattress. You get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com beautiful using the offer code beautiful. Terms and conditions do apply, but check it out, casper.com beautiful. For so long, since the beginning of apparel, since man put on clothes, we haven't been putting any thought into our socks. And that's got to change. Four years ago, two guys set out to rethink things in pursuit of extreme comfort. And after spending two years fixing all the things they did not like about conventional socks, Bombas was born. And I can tell you, Bombas, my wife has sworn by these things many, many months now. My wife discovered Bombas socks uh, a while ago and, and will honestly tell me, She'll put on Bomba socks at the beginning of the day and let out a sigh of contentment and say, today's going to be a good day. She does. It's, that's truth. Bombas offers premium socks equipped with seven substantial improvements to the ordinary sock. Reinforced footbed built for extreme comfort. Y-stitched heel cups the back of your foot. In fact, Bombas socks are such game changers. Customers overwhelmingly claim they are the most comfortable socks they've ever worn. I've started wearing them, and I would say that. Bombas, it's, it's, it really is incredible how it, it just makes your feet feel better. Every pair of socks Bombas sells, they donate a pair to those in need. And socks are the most requested items at homeless shelters. They have already donated over 2 million pairs so far. So no, by buying Bombas socks, you're actually doing a very good thing. You need new socks, can't go wrong with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash stories. You get 20% off your first order. You're going to love them. I swear, Bombas, I love them. My wife loves them. My wife really loves them. If you don't love them, you get your money back guaranteed. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash stories. Thank you to all our advertisers. You guys, they make the show happen, bring it to you for free every week. Please do support those guys. Support all the advertisers out there. Use those promo codes. Helps the show. Helps your life. Thank you so much. And now let's get back to our fascinating call with our midwife friend. Have you ever seen a lady in labor just haul off and punch her partner? you never seen anything like that? I have seen that. Really? I've seen, yeah. 
I can't yeah. let you blow past yeah. that story. What's it, what happens? No, she um, she kicked him <laughs> when she, when um, when she was pushing. She kicked him. Um, he had <laughs> he <laughs> he had gone out and eaten potato chips, and he breathed in her face. <laughs> she yeah, was, she was like, "You smell disgusting!" And she took her foot and kicked him. Really? Where, I was totally dumbfounded. He where'd looked, she kick him? Uh, right in the chest. Right in the chest. You know, like he was sort of, he was trying to help. She was like, get off of me. Stop breathing on me. What, and I was like, you know, is I'm going to get you a toothbrush and maybe you can come back in. Is it like, what happens? Is it like with all the endorphins? Is, just, is your sense of smell just heightened? Is it? Yeah, and she had been throwing up. Oh, she'd been throwing up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and she was concentrating and sort of in the zone, and then this guy comes over and breathes, you know, lays barbecue potato chips right Ooh, in his face. She barbecue. was not impressed. Barbecue makes it even worse. Yeah, it was disgusting. I mean, I didn't really blame her. Um, <laughs> we don't, you know, I don't try not to encourage people, like, hauling off and hitting people. I've been, I was grabbed by the neck once. I had what? a woman, like, grab my gown and, and pull me right down in her face, and I was like, okay, you I, you know, and she's like, it's that really intense eye contact. And she was like, you need to help me. And I was like, I need you to let go of my neck and then I'm going to help you. I said, but if you choke me, I can't help you. Wow. So I sort of, you know, I sort of stroked her arm and I could feel her like grip loosening. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Stood back up and got a washcloth and got back down right in her face. And I, you know. I was like, you got this. Just you listen to my voice. You know, this baby's coming. This is really intense. You know, don't pull away. You just, you get like really in somebody's space for this really intense amount of time. And she didn't physically come after me again. Yeah. After that. And what happens then afterwards? <laughs> the baby do you have a conversation where like, where like after everything's done, everything's calmed down. She's not in pain necessarily anymore. Do you have a conversation where she's like, hey, so uh, remember that time I kicked my husband and uh, choked you? My, my bad. My bad on that. Yeah, there's usually a lot a lot of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I acted like that. I didn't want to do that. I'm so sorry. You know, they're, yeah, they, yeah, it's like, it's like flipping a switch. All of a sudden you're like, oh. So you're feeling better because once the baby's out, most women really do feel better. Yeah. It's, you know, there's no longer a live human being coming out of you. So you're like, totally like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and women do like to talk about their birth stories a lot. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's usually part of it is that processing of like, Oh yeah, I kicked my husband. She was, she was still not very nice to him because he, I guess he really smelled bad <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> he looks like, like a really sad puppy. Like, mm. well, I do have to say, I like, messed up. I feel like it's not. I feel like it's pretty fair to say, like, uh, if you're in, if there's labor. Like, what's he doing? Going and getting chips? What's he doing? Well, that was part of. That's partially what she was indignant about, which is, which was. One, I can't eat anything, so why are you? And second of all, why did you eat something that smelled so bad? Yeah, you got to get something that's very neutral, right? We're talking rice cakes. We're talking crackers. We're not talking barbecue (laughs) chips. 
Maybe some, maybe a, a noodle, maybe a, a very gently, like a soup, but not a scented one. Not one that's. I know. <laughs> yeah, something's neutral. Often, though, younger fathers don't really think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, teenagers. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they're just not in that space. So, so he was a teenager. They'll be like, well, I had chicken tenders too. And you're like, dude, why? Yeah. <laughs> just. Move. <laughs> Move Caf- out the way. Like, the cafeteria food, cafeteria food here is not so bad. Right. <laughs> meanwhile, f- she hasn't eaten in like 18 <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah. Cafeteria is actually pretty good at a pizza bar. <laughs> uh, serve yourself. Serve yourself pizza. I know. What's you just it? sort of look at them like, oh. What's the difference between <laughs> a, a problem, mid- Dave? What's the difference between a midwife and a doula? And in my head, I have a vision that there's like a midwife doula rivalry or war. Is this the case? Are they just the same thing? I've invented in my head a fantasy where there's like a West Side Story style Jets versus Sharks midwives versus doula culture. (laughs) Um, So a midwife is is a master's prepared in many instances, a master's prepared nurse, although there's alternate alternative entries into the profession. So there's certified nurse midwives and there's certified professional midwives who mainly serve families at home. Um, doulas are trained as, um, as birth assistants or labor assistants, and they're really there for the women and their family. They, they may advocate, they may bring in, you know, massage oils and birth balls and stuff like that. And they're sort of with the women for the duration of labor, but they don't catch the baby. The midwife is the person who catches the baby and who's doing the exams and sort of, I don't like to use the word manage, but the one who's, who's helps to manage the labor piece. So a midwife has, but we're some... not at war. We really like each other. That's we really good. like each other because we know we're good for each other and we're good for the women. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. So it does sound like we'll it's be, fair to we'll say down with that. a midwife on some level has medical training, can interact with other medical professionals, and uh, is trained in that way, whereas a doula is a little bit more hippie shit. Sorry, Sally. Is that fair to say? Hippie yeah, shit? I guess. So. Sure. Yeah. If you yeah. want to. Yeah. Yeah. And a little they, bit more of a homeopathic. A little bit more of that. Yeah. They're, they're going to, you know, they're the ones that would probably say, to the dad, let me go get you something to eat. And they won't show back up with barbecued potato chips. Mm, right. You know, they're like going to make yeah. sure everyone's got nourishment and they, they do, they bring the essential oils and they, mm-hmm. they can do a lot of good work. And um, often women will choose to have them as additionally at their birth for that kind of support, that one-on-one. Yeah. Support. That's cool. I joke around, but that, I think yeah. that's cool. Anybody no, people do things their own way. I'm all for it. I just trained to be an abortion doula. That was a cool thing that I did. What? What's that mean? So it's a woman or a person that supports a pregnant person no matter what their outcome. So a woman who's choosing not to carry her pregnancy to term, who's seeking termination, I am their support person. So they have oh, a wow. familiar face, um, which is which was really cool to do. I really appreciate it. I, I haven't, I haven't acted in that role as of yet. Cause I just did the training, but I'm looking forward to doing that wow. this summer and sort of rounding out that, you know, 
including that as, as part of my practice and part of my service. That's very intense. It's very intense. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I think, well, it's a time women really also need support, but it's such a, you know, it's so marginalized because it's so polarizing, right? You know, it is. I, I'm actually really interested. It's, it's funny. It's, I'm, I don't want this to become like too insular to the podcast, but we just did an episode. Um, we just put it out the week you're calling an episode with a trans caller and I actually got a message. I got a message from someone that it's, it's funny. Cause I've seen up close how divisive this is. I got a message from someone that said like, you, you know, it's nice you're supporting the rights of trans people, but what are you doing for the rights of unborn babies? And I, I had a, had a lot of trouble even, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of trouble even connecting the logic of what those things have to do with each other in my mind. But it did make me realize like, right. When you get into the realm of people, you know, like I'm, I'm in New York City. We, I, I don't think the cult, I don't think we define ourselves by moral values here. I think that it's not right. My, it's not in my experience. But there are people who that is the first and foremost concern. I have a lot of respect for that. How do you anticipate? Like, this is a, this is a world. People have very strong opinions. I'm sure there's going to be people in your personal life who have opinions on that. And also, you know, there's clinics that people protest out of there's clinics that people you know yeah i'm sure that's part of why you well, want to assist I, the, women I'm, i i would imagine i don't want to put words in your mouth no no you're you're exactly correct i just uh, you know if you if you think about it one in three women has an abortion like it's it and it's you know you don't take stuff home you don't you know it, it doesn't get the same you know it really is marginalized i think is the best way and then the best way to say it. And so I just feel really strongly about meeting women where they're at. Um, and for a woman to be able to have that choice, no matter what, to, to choose parenthood. And if she's not ready to be a parent, then to get to make the choice, how she wants to move forward with that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, where I'll be serving women is not a clinic where there's protesting, but I know women who are, um, and that, you know, that helps when those clinics that have protesters also have really good, um, you know, sort of guides or people that walk them in. Um, but I want to be that person that this woman, you know, in the midst of this, this incredibly hard decision and hard procedure can look in my eyes and know that, that I'm there with her and that I am free of judgment and I am offering her, you know, love and kindness. Yeah. And hopefully she'll remember that, you know, cause I think, you know, it's so, those are moments of really deep connection. And I, I want somebody to remember that when they're reflecting back, you know, yeah. on that procedure day, on the day they have the abortion. Wow. And there, I mean, there's people, um, there's people listening right now who are, who view you as an accessory to murder for that. That's really. I know. Have you, have you, uh, I know. Yeah. Sorry to bring it down. I'm just very um, fast. I've, I've never heard of this concept of, uh, of, of someone serving in your capacity in during an abortion. So I'm sorry to bring it down. I can, yeah. you're a very bubbly person. And then I said, you're an accessory to murder and the whole tone changed. You were like, I know. No, no. I know. But I know you're right. And I know people do think that way. Um, and maybe it just sounds so like cavalier or negligent on my part, but I can't, I can't bring myself to that. 
I can't look at a woman and, and tell her that's what she's doing. I, I just couldn't do that to somebody, you know, and there's plenty of women who are really ambivalent and who get there and say, do you think I'm killing my baby? Or, you know, I believe in God, but, or what, you know, there's so many, there's, it's such an intricate and personal, personal decision for somebody to make. You know, it's not like you register online and show up at 1045. You know, this is, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's so much more than that, yeah. you know? Um, and to sort of be a constant and like, I, you know, I know I've overused the word guide, but sort of that guide is just what I want to be for people. And, and I, you know, I can be respectful of other people's beliefs. I don't view myself as accessory to murder. I, you know, I, I view myself as somebody who's supporting women and, and families and all the choices that they have to make. And they're not all easy choices. You know, that's a, it's a fallacy that every good choice feels good. Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I grew so. up, I grew up Catholic. I grew up actually very Catholic. My, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, my parents met at the Catholic school that my grandmother was also a teacher at. And all of my grandparents lived within, you know, myself. Let's see, my both my grandparents, myself, two aunts, and uh, a bunch of cousins. We all lived within two blocks of that Catholic church growing up. I was always very, you know, I was heard very much, you, you know. My point being, I, I was very, you know, when I was a kid, it was a very divisive thing. And I, I remember feeling very anti-abortion. Yeah. Then when I was 18... My girlfriend was about 21 days late, and my views changed very quickly. Yeah. I'll tell you, my, my views changed Absolutely. very quickly. And we, she, what happened was we went to a pharmacy. We, were to, we, we went to high school together and then to college, and uh, we went to a pharmacy together, and we got a pregnancy test. And I remember the, the, per, the person at the counter, like, kind of shaking her head in a very judgmental way. That was very yeah. anxiety-inducing. And then we had a, a pregnancy test, and it came up negative. And then my girlfriend immediately got mm-hmm. a period, and a lot of it was purely, clearly psychological. It was the power of the mind over the body at that point. But I remember, right. I remember that stretch being 18 and saying, like, I'm going to, we're going to have to drop out of college and raise a kid who's going to have a really tough life because of my irresponsibility. That ain't good. Well, and did you change your mind immediately, or did your opinion continue to sort of evolve? I mean, or was it, or was it, it's funny because it's, you know, it's one of those things where when, when you're young, when I'm young and I have no experience, it's like a th- purely theoretic, right? There's so many, so many things that people have certain right. opinions on that are theoretical. It's not in your actual world experience. It's a debate you have at the dinner table exactly. or it's, it's a thing you talk about amongst people you meet in your community, but it's not a thing you actually have firsthand knowledge of. And then you get firsthand knowledge of it you see a very personal perspective on it that's quite different than the theoretical perspective. And in my case, I had that classic yeah. experience of it. it was a very selfish, self-serving of, uh, like I, I remember called my brother and I always talk, I remember called my, I called my older brother and I was like, I might need some money. And he immediately was like, what do you, I know what you, what do you did really? Like he, it was bad. And, uh, but then, you know, you walk away from that when it's, you know, the selfish side of it, you know, I was in that experience. Let me re-examine this when it's not selfish. And what what it did teach me was um, 
I would have to be certain that for something that's so hard to go through and that to judge so harshly, that more often than not, I would have to assume it's it, it, it's not someone saying I still want to go out and party. It's someone saying right. I, I am not capable of um, giving this potential yeah. human being a life that's that's uh, that's good, and I can't do that. So I I, I saw I kind of I feel like I saw all sides of it. And at the end of the day, that is the experience that firmly put me on the side of I'm never going to judge. I'm just never going to judge somebody. People have I know to. judgment is so debilitating. Like it it puts a wall up between you and that person immediately, you know? Like yeah. you've you've the relationship has just been totally remodeled. Um and I it, that's so harsh. Yeah. <laughs> so harsh unless you're you know, unless you're, like you said, you have that lived experience or there's some sort of context for it. Otherwise, I just think, you know, we, you know, there's no value in that. There's no value in looking sideways at somebody who's, you know, teenagers or college students who are buying pregnancy tests. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. What's that do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it doesn't help at all. And so. what a, one thing I'm thinking of as you and I talk is... You know, it is an application of the skills you've learned, but it's, uh, and again, you said you haven't actually begun practicing this side of your, your practice, but when you're, uh, when you're a midwife serving pregnancies, you know, the ideal is that that ends very happy with it, with yeah. moving in one direction. Yeah. And now it's an application of your skills in a direction that you know is um, going to be many things, but it's never going to be. Um, happy. It's never going to be joyous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's on that spectrum or it could be, it could be another circle, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's still that, you know, midwifery is to be with women. And so you're, that means you're with women in all its, all its iterations, not the ones, just the ones you're comfortable with. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how, that's what, that's, that's, I feel really strongly about that. Um, you know, and, and you have to do those sort of values, clarifications and sort of put your stuff aside and just get in it and be there for them. You know, like you got to do it. It's, it's how we're going to help each other, like through this world, you know? Yeah. It's, that's how, that's how I feel about it. There, I, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to say something like joking right now, but it's something I actually think about is like yeah. when I, in my life, you know, I'm very lucky to, I meet a lot of strong women and, uh, you know, in my personal life, my wife is a badass and, uh, yeah. it, like my profession too. Like there's a, there's a, you know, comedy is traditionally kind of a boys club and I'm lucky. I know a lot of people, a lot of women who are like, mm mm. And then I hear you say things yeah. like, no, it's about being with women. It's about standing by the side of women at the end of the day. And I've realized a lot of a lot of the women in my life and a lot of the strong women in the modern world, I feel like a lot of people I know would have been like burned as witches in the 1500s. Like I've, you realize like, <laughs> that's what that was probably about. Yeah. You probably, They would have tied you to a log in exactly. the 1500s. Seeing if you could float, I know, you know? You're totally right about that. That's probably – There's a good like T-shirt or sticker that said um, – 
we're the witches your ancestors couldn't burn or something like that, which I really love. Hell yeah, yeah, doggy. So you're aware. You're like, oh, yeah, if I was in New England in the 1600s, they'd be chasing me through the woods. I think so. I think they would, you know, powerful women that can control, not control things, but that, you know, could sort of manage things on their own or find things um, as a group that could, you know, that could master certain things that people had no concept of. Right. Yeah. You know, I was looking, I actually, I have a book. I was looking for the book in my office. It's called, um, which is midwives and something else. It's really good. That's cool. I can't remember the name of it though right now. This is, yeah. What a, interesting. A, we a started off, you were so bubbly and it was so light and you were talking about your kids and the circles and then you were talking about the experiences and we were laughing about people kicking in the chest. And then I'm, I, well, it's, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so grateful that it, it, that you shared this other side of it because it makes me realize how much of this is like, uh, I think if I may, if I may, and I'm sure that's something you've encountered. I think there is maybe a little bit of an attitude of some, you know, people saying, oh, a midwife or a doula is like an accessory that's maybe not necessary all the time. And there's some people who would even roll their eyes at a little bit. Um, yeah. But hearing you say all this side of it, it's like, oh, there, this is this is very philosophical. There's a real philosophy behind this and, and yeah. what you're bringing to the table. It's very cool. Who knew? Who knew that there was so much of a uh, driving philosophy? I got to go ponder that. I got to go think about I got to go philosophize about the nature of philosophy. You know, it's a good thing to uh, have running while that process happens. It's advertisements from our sponsors who help bring this show to you for free. Please do support our sponsors. Use the promo codes. Helps a lot. We'll be back soon with more phone call. Warby Parker is very cool. I'm excited to tell you about it. I've used their service, and it is a game changer. Glasses at warbyparker.com. They start at 95 bucks. That includes your prescription. Lenses include anti-glare, anti-scratch coatings, everything you need. Every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. It is so easy and risk-free. I've been wearing glasses since I was eight years old. We're pushing three decades. It's so stressful. Glasses cost hundreds of dollars in the store. You've got to walk out with a pair. It's like, these are going to be on my face. What's going to happen? No more. Warby Parker sends you a box with five pairs. You pick out five pairs online. Box shows up a couple days later. You try them on. Show your family. Show your friends. They tell you which. I was able to show my wife, Allie, which ones do you like? She picked out a nice pair. Free shipping. Put the label back on. Send it back. No obligation to purchase. All of this process is free, by the way. A few days later, glasses are there. I got cool new glasses that I know look good. I was able to look in the mirror, walk around my house with them, show my wife. Head to warbyparker.com slash stories. Order your free home try-ons today. Choose your five frames. Mail them back. Have the prescription added. Simple as that. Risk-free. Free shipping. Warbyparker.com slash stories to begin your free home try-on experience today. After you head to warbyparker.com slash stories, go download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes store. Awesome companion to the home try-on process. You take photos, wear all the frames, put it in a video, share it with your friends and family all over the world. People help you pick a winner. I have used the WarbyParker.com home try-on process. It was very, very cool, very pleasant. Super cool packaging, simple process, and now I got a great new pair of glasses. Can't recommend highly enough. Hey, I want to tell you about a, a great new show from Stitcher called First Day Back. Simple concept. How does a person return from an event that changes them? This new season, this documentary podcast tells this crazy story about a woman who accidentally shot and killed her husband with no memory of it. That is really nuts, right? 
This show explains what happened that night, but it's really about everything that came after. Like, what's it like your first day out of prison? How does she readjust to freedom? How's she going to find a job? Will she be able to reconnect with her family, with her grandson? All that's the easy part. The hard part's figuring out how to live with the guilt, searching for forgiveness or something like it. How do you come back from the worst thing you've ever done? You don't even remember doing it first day back. Intriguing, intense. I think you'll enjoy it. Subscribe now in Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again to all the sponsors who make this show happen now. Let's finish off this fascinating phone call. This is very philosophical. There's a real philosophy behind this and and yeah. what you're bringing to the table. It's very cool. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things, you know, there there are midwifery purists, you know, and I so and there can be sort of you know, push and pull between midwives because there's some midwives that say, you know, women should be at home and that's what we should do. And, and, and that's how it's going to go. But I think that, you know, then we cut off a whole percent of the population who isn't comfortable being at home or doesn't have access to home that doesn't, you know, or whatever it is. So I, I like serving women in the hospital because I get a better, a, a sort of a bigger breadth of population and it's not so exclusive you know, but you're viewed I, as a I don't sellout. want to practice as a midwife. The, extremi- the extremist fringe, yeah. the extremist, the fundamentalist fringe of midw- oh, midwifery yeah. views you as a, uh, as a hospital sellout. Exactly. Yeah. We I have, don't agree with them. But. <laughs> we have a very, uh, on the Chris Gethard show, I have a TV show and it's a very strange show. And we have a character named the human fish. Very dumb. I'm not going to say this is the most brilliant piece of comedy <laughs> It's ever come up with, but it's a half man, half fish character. And we once shot a pilot and uh, we were trying to figure out how, how to have him in a giant aquarium. And the best we could do. Nice. Yeah. I was like, that would be funny. Have him swim around in a man sized aquarium. But the best we could do is we just had him sitting still in a birthing pool, like one of those inflatable, right. an inflatable. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've seen I love these. those inflatable pools. <laughs> yeah. You get one of them inflatable birthing pools, just stuck my friend Dave in it in a pair of goggles. He just sat there all day. Had hypothermia by the end of the taping. <laughs> oh, you needed to, you know, boil some water. That's the <laughs> closest the pun and dump it in there. You know, it's the closest <laughs> I've ever had to your life experience. That's the closest shared experience. You, you have it's sh- half man, half fish in the birth. Pool. Yeah, you've shepherded <laughs> human life into the world, and I once stuck the human fish in an inflatable birthing pool. It's the closest I got. I, well. You know, there's always time time for more. You know, yeah. Always, you may find yourself with a, at a birth tub in a very different uh, scenario the oh, next yeah. time you're at a birth tub. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Knock on wood. I, uh, I, I wonder. I have to ask. Um, I don't. I don't want. I don't want it to get grim just for the sake of it. But it's just an interesting thing. Is like, you know, I th- we've talked so much about you like being there, put the washcloth on the face, shepherding someone. Uh, you know, shepherding a new life into the world, being a part of that process. And and we talked about all the positives of that. There also are situations where things go wrong. And I would imagine you really have to, there's like, there must be a whole other set of actions and priorities when you are in that situation and and it gets tense that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I mean, most of the time it is a really joyful process and you have, you know, and you feel like, you know, you have nurses and, and, and midwives there and there's, 
you know, a lot of joy and sort of cheering on, but you do have, you, yeah, things can go wrong. I mean, that's a risk no matter what. And often people, when you say that you're attending women at home will say, but what if something goes wrong? Um, and, and I think that's a reasonable question. Um, I have had, you know, babies come out not so great. I've attended women and have caught babies that have, have died before they were born. Um, and that's a really hard thing to do. Although, you know, at the risk of sounding a little hokey, it also is just another one of those experiences that you're grateful that you get to be there, that you can be there with this family as they get something totally different than what they thought was going to happen. Um, and those are, you know, those are, are rare occasions, but yes, they do happen. They definitely happen. Yeah. Um, and, is it- and, you know, there's just lots of different ways to handle that. You know, a baby that's not looking very good, we have lots of people we can call and, you know, that are going to come in and attend that baby right away. And hopefully we have time to say, okay, when this baby's born, we're going to cut the cord right away and I'm going to give him, give he or she to the nursery. You know, like we can, it doesn't have to be so crash and a burn and emergent, although that happens too. And then, um, for my practice and in my experience, I, I've never attended a, a woman whose baby has died that didn't know. Um, and so I guess I'm really fortunate that I'm, well, I know I'm very fortunate that way, but I have attended women in labor who came to the hospital knowing that their baby had oh. recently died. Oh, that is, um, that has to be one of the hardest, yeah. hardest things. That has to be one of the hardest things. It is. It really, it, it really, it really is. It's just so, it's so damn sad. I don't know. Yeah. Like that sad that's like, boy, like right in your heart. Yeah. Um, Can you tell that crocus story again? So, just tell the crocus story I know. again. <laughs> How did I pull um, that off in 45 flat. minutes? We went from the crocus, <laughs> I managed to go from, drag you from the crocuses to this in 45 <laughs> minutes, I really got a lot of problems. No, it's, a, well, so this is, I'll tell you about another circle that's sort of a, it's a really cool circle. It's not quite as sad because it's, so my dad died of colon cancer and I know that's not a good lead in. It oh, yeah. sounds sad, I'm very um, sorry. but he was, he was 70 and he'd been sick for a long time. Thank you very much. Um, he'd been sick for a really long time. Um, and the weird thing with my dad is I hadn't seen him since I was three. So I hadn't seen him in 38 years. And I met him the week he died. Um, I met him in hospice, you know, thanks to social media and family that reached out to my brother and I to go and meet this person that we hadn't seen since we were infants. Um, and the language that's used in hospice, you know, if you close your eyes in that room, it's the same language that midwives use, you know, it's, it's, it's a passage or it's that circle. So I, as sad as I was to experience this with my dad, there was something so comforting that I sort of knew the language. And that was really, really eye opening for me. Um, and also it sort of changed that whole perspective when I am with families who've experienced a fetal death, um, just again, coming back to the language in the circle and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but my dad, it was expected. Um, but I just thought 
And there there were these like Southern hospice nurses that you just like wanted to sit on their lap and they would like feed you grits or something like that. (laughs) You know, they had like those kind of voices. And I just thought, you know, I'm so glad these women are, you know, are, are taking my dad through this, but the language is the same. The language is the same. That's a beautiful story. Again, I feel really bad that I took this to a place where (laughs) you were able to tell a story about um, being with your estranged father as he died of colon cancer. And that that was, hey, let's let's pep things back up a little bit. I know. I'm I'm trying to think of a good one. (laughs) When my third son was born, though, the very first thing I said when I picked him up off the ground is, Oh my God, he has a huge nose. And I call them Cyrano. Ooh, that's nice. Cyrano. <laughs> He's grown into his nose. <laughs> He's a big boy. Now, how do you feel about this? I don't know. This that's is a little lighter. This is a joke I used to tell. It's actually on my album, and you're generally not supposed when as a stand-up, you're supposed to kill jokes. But since it's a true story, I will tell you, you must have an opinion on this. Now when okay. I, my mother is a tiny woman. She's about five feet tall. And the, mm-hmm. the biggest, Sally. yes, the biggest sorry Sally moment in my life was actually the beginning. When I, this is very true. When I was being born, the doctor, apparently what I, what I've been told, this is family legend. In fact, from what I understand is that the doctor <laughs> took a step back and said the words, my God, his head is as big as a bowling ball. Oh, poor Sally. And then supposedly the doctor refused to tell her. That's something you want to keep to yourself. Yeah, I don't know why I know that. Explains a lot of why the fact that I've known that story since I was about six tells you a lot about why I turned into a comedian. But also, apparently, the doctor refused to tell my parents how many stitches Sally had because it was just like a. Have you ever seen? You ever seen a bowling ball? Were you the last baby? I was. I was the second of two. Yeah, you just see a, a kid with a giant melon come out, and you're like, oh, this is about to be a bad couple hours. <laughs> I just think, I do say those things in my head, or the ones that come out and their hand is on their cheek, so you see the head, and all of a sudden you're like, why are those fingers there? Like, they're not supposed to be like that. Ugh. But then I see the whole hand, and the hands look like mitts, and I'm like, oh, my God. Wait, this is going to be a big baby. And they're usually nine-pounders. Yeah, a nine-pounder. Which is I like baby. that you talk about them like fish. You talk, you talk about them like fish and then know, talk about like a trout. <laughs> Caught a nine-pounder today. You're right. What's the, biggest, exactly. what's the biggest baby you remember helping to deliver? You ever get, do they ever come out? Like, what's the biggest they come out? I 11 pounds oh, for God. me. Oh, gosh. 11 pounds. And is there like, I didn't have the 11-pound baby. I attended somebody who had the 11-pound baby. Right. It was right. her third baby. Okay, so she was a pro. Yeah, and she was sort of like, ah, and then there was this big baby. I was like, okay. oh, hey. <laughs> Is there ever a point? <laughs> like, he was really cute. But if it's someone's first time birth and it's a smaller framed lady and you realize you got a 10-pounder in there, is there any part of you that wants to just like like lean over and just be like, we're going to need a bigger boat? Like, do you ever, like, is there ever a party that's right. like, oh, we are entering a world. Okay. You have no idea what's about to happen. I think, you know what, in a weird way, it it there is – always this moment where I'm, I think, and I have talked to more experienced midwives where I'm sort of like looking at the scene going on and I'm thinking, 
oh my God, I can't believe this works. I can't believe this works. This is never going to work. Oh, this is not working. And then I get past that. And then I'm like, of course it's going to work. This is how women's bodies work and babies' heads work. And like it, but yeah, there is that sort of like, ooh. Yeah. They had to pull me <laughs> out with the salad tongs. My mom always says they had to use the salad tongs on me. The sound, yeah. We use vacuums now. Vac- oh, you- I don't, but people do use vacuums. Really? So, because yeah. you can misshape, right? Like, like, I, they weren't really salad tongs, but they—I don't know what the actual medical. No, term. they're forceps. Forceps. I was pulled yeah, out with forceps. forceps. But a baby's head is soft, so you can maybe like shape, like misshape the baby's head. Or is that an urban legend as to why they stopped using the salad tongs? Well, I mean, in what how I understand why we stopped using the the salad tongs is that there's less and less providers who are trained on them. It's sort of a more oh. antiquated method and we have this vacuum babies heads are soft and they have those suture lines that are overriding like their skull isn't fused so yeah. their bones sort of overlap so they can come down through the birth canal and everything uh-huh. but we have this device that's like a suction yamaka that you put on the back of the head <laughs> you pump it up and you push and she pushes and you pull at the same time so if a baby's head is too big <laughs> at this point in history you get out you get out a suction cup vacuum <laughs> and you attach it. Yeah. And that baby never knows that it came into the world in hilariously comical, degrading fashion. <laughs> unless, of course, the parents yeah, tell it somebody like mine takes, did. Right, right. Or takes pictures of like the little spot on the back of their head that looks like, you know, a huge something sucked onto the top. Of yeah. Head. Oh, you get the, you get, um, so the, the baby, baby comes out like a hickey. Pretty far down. Yeah. Cause I came, so. I came out. I had a bowling ball head. They pulled me out with the salad tongs, and I was jaundiced. It must have been horrifying for my mom. Aww. They like pull out some giant. You- she must have thought she was giving birth to an alien. Like they pull out some giant-headed green thing. <laughs> she must have thought she gave birth to an alien. You know. <laughs> no, but uh, you know what? We all—they're all cute. All babies are cute. Oh, that's um, a lie. Everybody babies. listening was just like, I've seen some ugly babies. You've seen it. You've seen one come out where you're like, that baby looks like Mr. Magoo. I guess that's kind of cute, though. Usually, if you look around the room, you can pick out who they look like. <laughs> Diplomatically, I says. remember one of the things. That's right. One of the things, and the other thing that we're we're taught when we're, especially as nurses, never say the baby looks just like the dad. Yeah. <laughs> Because the the guy standing at the head of the bed just might not be. Right, right, right. <laughs> you just don't want to put your foot in it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I would imagine. Uh-huh. I would imagine. What a cool life. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. So wait, when you said you, co- really you like come into it. your office at 5.30 a.m., I never even thought of that. What's your- I also teach. Oh, you also teach. Weird. You I'm brought a, up yeah, two things. I, I teach nursing. You teach nursing. We could have done a whole hour about that. You're the, I, I applaud, <laughs> one of the only callers in history that 45 minutes in can drop that you never met your dad um, until his death. And that's like the like third thing down on the ladder of what we're talking about. <laughs> could have talked a whole hour about in that. In the hierarchy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I teach. I teach nursing. Now, I know this is an unfair well, question. With, it's a great life. Five minutes left. What an unfair question. Do you think that there's any aspect of you wanting to shepherd um, children into the world that has to do with the fact that you did not have a traditional parental unit? Discuss. Unfair question. Five minutes left. 
Oh, no, that's a really good question. I've never thought about it, but now I will be thinking about it. Mm. Um, Sorry to throw that monkey wrench into your whole life. Yeah, I think I I don't know that being a midwife has, has sort of filled that gap. I know there's other ways in my life that I've, you know, looked for and lamented not having a dad because I really wanted one. Um, but I, you know, I see midwifery as more sort of that, that growth into myself more so than, you know, trying to get, trying to find my dad type of thing. Right. If that makes sense. Right. But that is a good question. What a cool, what a cool <laughs> life. What a cool life you've led. What a cool life. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I got more to go, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. I got grandbabies to catch someday, so that's really good. Oh, are you gonna, no pressure on my children, and you, it's not time. But Are you going to tell your daughter I'd love to be a midwife? Like, is that is that a goal? Like the midwife at Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've birth? talked about it already. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, we've already talked about it. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's only the youngest one who's sort of said to me, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Thanks, buddy. It's So, yeah, thank you. I live in New York, and there's a place called, I think it's called a lot of my friends. I think most of my friends try to, try to have their births if they can at this place. There's like a birthing center where it's like one floor is a natural birth facility and nice. then the, the floor below it is like a traditional hospital setting so that if something goes wrong you just like yeah. you get on the elevator one floor are there a lot that's of that's right are there a and lot that's of a, that's a great compromise and are the but there's og midwives out there that are like yo you're trying to have your cake and eat it too stop with the bullshit <laughs> sorry right. Sal. there are yeah. really of course i mean because they're still just people and they're still got all their weird baggage that they carry along right yeah. You know, I just think that's so limiting. You know, you're really, really doing a disservice. That's not, doesn't meet the needs of every woman. So you need to think about that. Or I feel we should think about that. Yeah. Wow. There's like 8 million questions I didn't get to. <laughs> another, save it for another time. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we have two and a half minutes. That's a great, great part of my day. No, please. I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy I got to talk to you. But he, uh, it's a, a a glimpse into a whole life I never knew. Yeah. Well, I think I I I like that. I often, um, you know, that it was so revelatory for me to meet these women um, when I met the midwives and and just sort of one day look up and think, oh, there I am. That's 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 me. That's what I'm going to do. And that was really comforting. So the birth, to, the birth of your first child was like of. transformative in multiple directions. Nothing about your life was the same. Yeah. Personally, professionally, after that day. Yeah. You ever paint yeah. anymore? You ever exactly. you ever paint from time to time or no? I do. I do. I still dream about painting, so I know that I'm still a painter. But yeah, I do on That's occasion. Cool. That's cool. And are you ever? Are yeah. you? Do you do you ever find yourself like you're in you're in the supermarket shopping, somebody's putting you know coming with their cart in the other direction? And they're like, wait, I think I do I know you from somewhere? And you're like, oh, <laughs> I pulled your child yes. out of out of your <laughs> genital region. I, I'm the one who pulled your child out of your yes. genitals. Your, your hoo ha. 
<laughs> yes, I do. Because I live in a small town, so. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Boy. Yeah, some of my first babies are, are are getting ready to graduate from high school. Oh, that's nice. And do you yeah, know, it's really cool. Do you really like, cool. And you remember them. You remember the names and stuff, especially those first ones, I, I imagine. I do for the most part. I, I like when the parents remind me. Um, but there's a couple that are really unforgettable, like, you know, the the ones who were really big or really goofy or there was something funny that happened. But <laughs> I'm always grateful that how how women really remember. Yeah. You know, because that was so important to them. So I'm, I'm glad when they remember certain things. That's very cool. We got just fun. We got 10 yeah. seconds left. Me and you, we got 10 seconds left. I want to thank you for the fascinating thank talk. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great, a great hour, an hour well spent. I feel really grateful. Thank you. Caller, thanks for letting me know about everything that's out there, all the experiences, some funny parts, some sad parts, some controversial parts. I might go so far as to say that that call had it all. Thank you so much for calling up. And thank you to everybody who listens, everybody who supports the show. Remember, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps so much more than you know. I haven't pushed it very hard lately, but uh, really, please do help out. I want to thank Reverend John Delore, who helped build this show in the first place. Jared O'Connell, of course, is in the booth. Harry Nelson's been in the booth lately as well, keeping an eye on things, shepherding this community in all different directions. I want to thank Shell Shag for the intro music. Shell Shag is an incredible incredible band incredible people incredible artists please do support them i'm always out on the road chrisgeth.com if you want to know those dates please do check it out thanks as always for listening to beautiful anonymous Thanks for talking to me today. You're welcome. Thank you for interviewing me today. No, it's my pleasure. I should explain, just so everybody's clear, um, this is, uh, it's like a mini episode of, of my podcast. Subaru has has sponsored the content, but they haven't given me any mandates. They're not, it's just, we're, we're going to talk. All I've been told is that you are currently in a Subaru and that you're a fan of the brand. And outside of that, we can just, we can just talk and catch up and go for broke. Okay. So uh, Works for me. Nice. So we, uh, you, uh, you are. So I, mean, I hear you. You are currently in a Subaru. Yes. That's cool. Currently cruising in a Subaru. Yes. Cruising. So you're you. That's <laughs> nice. You, you, yep. You're cruising. Are you someone who do you are you uh, do you cruise often? Do you enjoy a good cruise? You know what we do. We travel all over the place in it. When you say we, who are we talking about here? Oh, my husband and I. Nice. How long have you been married? Oh, I've been married for 17 years. 17 years. Nice. I'm like two and a half in. It's wonderful. Keep going. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying it gets better. It gets better over time. Everything gets better with age. Look at that. I like this positive. You're one of the more positive people I've ever talked to. <laughs> well, I'm glad because we need more of that. Yeah. A lot of people who I get to talk to on this show are full of angst. You sound like someone, you're kind of feeling it. You're liking life. Life's too short. You got to celebrate it, right? I think so. What are the treats? If you had to give me, as someone who has been married 17 years, I'm someone who's, it'll be three years in August. 
what are like what are the what are like the core elements? What are the bullet points? How do you keep it going? How do you keep it feeling so positive? How do you keep it fresh? Stay creative. Definitely stay creative and be willing to say you're sorry when you've actually made the mistake because it does happen. And then have a lot of fun. Have a lot of fun. One great place to have fun is in a luxurious Subaru automobile. You know, I will say we have had a ton of fun in it. We've cruised it all all over California, up into Oregon, Washington, Arizona. Um, as a matter of fact, we just we got up not too long ago and decided we wanted to have breakfast in another state. So we jumped in the car and the Subaru and we took off. This sounds you had s- breakfast and then drove home. You sound like you have the dream marriage. What'd you have for breakfast? Um, let's see. We had pancakes and eggs and bacon and all that wonderful stuff. Hold on. Wait, I'm not judging. You drove all the way to a different state and you got a breakfast that you can get at any diner anywhere. Yeah, it was just about the road trip. We went to Cracker Barrel. There wasn't one in California, so we had to drive all the way out to Arizona. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Here's Because I do want – Subaru is very kindly sponsoring this and I'm enjoying this conversation. I mean you are someone it's, – it's clear. It's not – this is not something you're making up because Subaru – ask you to you love a good road trip why why do you enjoy uh like what is it about their car that that appeals honestly, to honestly i love the fact that i can put a whole bunch of junk in it it's very comfortable and it gets great gas mileage so i can go anywhere in it and i've put on since that we purchased it um in october of 2015 i'm already at forty thousand miles 17 years and it sounds like you and your spouse still have fun every weekend Yes, as a matter of fact, we just drove to the coast this last weekend and watched the sunset. That it is... Was, it was really nice. You just drive just to see the sunset. You hop in the old Subaru. Yes. You say, let's put our worries away yes. for a while. As, as a matter of fact, that particular day, we, we did jump in the car and we drove up to the mountains to watch the sun rise and the moon set and then spent the day out and about and then drove to the coast to watch the sunset. You're like the most you're like the most in love couple I've ever heard of. <laughs> That's good, right? Yeah, and I want to thank you. I'm really inspired. I want to like go home and uh I want to like, go, I wanna go home. I was just going to say I want to go home give my wife a big hug and say, "You know what? Let's jump in the car." See, that's what you got to do. That's actually what you got to do. Sometimes you just got to call out sick and you got to go home and 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 love your spouse. Cuz that's what it's all about. Call out sick. Love your Call spouse. Out sick, take the day. Do whatever you got to do. Do take whatever you got to do. Home. And I think we would both agree when you take that day off and you do what you got to do, the best place to do it is in a Subaru. <laughs> wow, I really got – I cracked you up on that last one. Yes, you did. I feel good about that. So nice talking to you. It was a pleasure. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Hey, everybody out there listening. You can go right now. Go to meetandowner.com. You'll meet other real Subaru owners. You'll hear all about why they love their cars. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, join us for eight-person orgy straight up. Are there ever situations where you get in the bedroom and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, guys. Looks like looks like one of those fireplace logs. Oh my god! It's like a Dura flame just fell out of his pants. That does. Yes, you just like you see it. <laughs> I have been surprised one time with it. It looks like a you know like a balloon you make a balloon animal with. It just kept it got huge. Like it was just it was huge, and I just was like, oh my god! And what's, <laughs> what do you do with that? What's the reaction? How do you handle that? <laughs> you just I keep just going, left. and you just like wow. I just cool. cried and left. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Hey, this is Hillary Frank. I host the Longest Shortest Time podcast. Tune in next week for a very special interview with comedian Rob Hubel. We will talk about his wife. Oh boy, Hillary, don't make me start crying. Becoming a dad. Hold on, I gotta pour. I gotta pour myself some water so I don't cry on your podcast. And bringing his daughter home. I gotta take a sip of this water, which I wish was vodka, but it's water. Mm to keep myself from crying like a big crybaby. Rob Hubel, like you have never heard him before. Next week on The Longest Shortest Time. Fuck you, Hillary. (laughs) Fuck you. Just doing my job. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. (laughs) 